So there's the news. Everyone knows. Yeah. We got to talk about we it. We can't just. We got to go. I mean, right off the bat, listen, listen, there's some big news here going on. And I am. If you don't I'm, know this news, I'm. Where, I, are you, where are you coming from? Like, I mean, I'm cautiously extremely excited, but like. You know, there's a little bit in it. Whenever you have something that's so precious to you and they want to just like make a lot more out of it, it's like, okay, I hope there's not a bunch of junk in there though. You know, I'm going to tell our listeners a two minute story that is exactly what happened when this news came out. And it, it's why I'm excited. Okay. So, news releases all I see is a tweet that says Nickelodeon is starting the Avatar Studios where they will be creating animated movies and animated television series Oof. all centered around the Avatar universe. Gee. I text Calvin, I'm like, this can be two things. This can be the creators, you know, after leaving Netflix, getting their show back right. and doing amazing shit with it, and I'm super excited. Or it could be SpongeBob, <laughs> which right. maybe that's controversial, right. but I personally think that spongebob had a really great run had some good movies in there and now since uh steven hillenberg has passed away they've just juiced it and now they're making like yeah. little spongebob or whatever it is where they're all kids even though it's can is canon that a thing that they did, didn't know did each other when they were little babies. sheldon spongebob <laughs> they did so what? there's going to be Baby Patrick, Baby SpongeBob, Baby Squidward, Baby Mr. Krabs, all of it, even though we've seen in past seasons of SpongeBob that they met in adulthood, if you can call, you know, him it. an adult. Yeah. So okay. it's just, it's dumb. And that was my worry. But then you sent me a message mm -hmm. that basically confirmed because it was the creators mm -hmm. uh, releasing a statement saying that they're excited to be back and work on this project. So I'm back yeah. to excited. Yeah, and the fact that it's, like, the original creators with their vision and Nickelodeon, again, like, Legend of Korra has its, up and, has its ups and downs, but it's a great addition to the Avatar universe. And to know that they're just going to get more opportunity to flesh out so much stuff and, and have, have control over it, you know? Peek. Yeah, we've both taken a peek at those... Uh, uh, would, would it be called manga or is it just comics? Because uh, I don't know if they do it, like, in that style novels? where it's, like... I think they're graphic, think novels. graphic novels, and they're good. Yeah. yeah, I haven't like read all of them or like gone any... from page to page, but I've you know when <laughs> you're at, at Barnes and Noble, in... yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. and you just like look through them, and you're like, oh, I'm probably taking advantage right now. I hope nobody sees me <laughs> sitting here for 15 minutes reading this. Yeah. And if they just make those into a TV show, that'd be cool. Just like the epilogue to the Last Airbender, I'd I'd be cool with that. Even I actually, um, if you're cool, moving on, I have a perfect segue here. Gary? Ooh, yeah <laughs> i love i love a good segue the vehicle of the future <laughs> because uh as we're talking about bookstores and looking at uh um these avatar graphic novels uh we actually have a guest today who works in a bookstore and actually i want to juice him up a little bit before he uh is allowed to speak at all he's my friend from our acting company and he's gone on to do so much cool stuff he was a, a lead film actor in a recent uh, award-winning feature film like love you can check it out like lovemovie.com uh he's a theatrical actor out in LA, closer to where you are, Gary. He's also a writer. He's on uh, 
Uh, he writes for a podcast that I'm going to ask him to remind me the name of because I've been slacking on checking it out. But he also has recently uh, been writing a comic, a graphic novel with his brother. And it's been a webcomic. So much fun. So awesome that they recently got into print. And I finally got my physical copy. Ladies and gentlemen, writer, director, film and theatrical actor, <laughs> Joseph Shannon Bricker is on the show. Oh, thank you. What a nice yeah. intro. At first, I thought you were going to leave it as like, uh, he works in a bookstore, Joseph Bricker. I was like, yep, that is the extent to which I know Calvin. I work yeah. in a bookstore. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and if I may yeah, uh, speak to Gary's point, I'm not an expert on this, but I believe unless it is read from right to left, then it is not a manga. Uh, yeah, good to know. Because I used to read Naruto and I remember being like, wait a second. Yeah. Let me flip I'm, this book over. Let me flip this so I can read from the back. So is that uh I know you just said you're not an expert, but I'm still gonna ask you some questions here. Maybe you know the answer to. <laughs> is that yes, we'll uh, never talk about the episode today. I, I'm just going here <laughs> no, to discuss books and uh, just, manga. Just, yeah. Uh so is that a Japanese uh like thing for just Japanese literature, or is that specific to manga? Is that like a stylistic thing? Do you know? Uh, I do not know. Um, I, okay. I figured I'd give you that, you know, just grilly little because <laughs> you just told me that you're to not. I am not an expert. Let me ask you a question an expert would know. Uh, That's how I do it. That's no, how do it I, I, I'm podcast. not. I'm not intimately familiar with the Japanese language or how it is structured or read. Um, what I can tell you is that manga is read from right to left. And that is about the extent I know about it. So I, we, I don't we can, think the Avatar comics are. So we can, yeah, we can yeah. cross those off the manga list. Settle on graphic novels for their classification. Uh, speaking of <laughs> classifications, oh, I got all the segues today. Joseph, on our show, we like to ask our guests what kind of bender they think they are. And so I'm posing the question to you now. Um, this may... Uh, uh, I, I, I feel similarly to... Gary, I think he discussed this recently on, on a recent episode. I, for most of my life, really wanted to be a waterbender, uh, so mm. much so that uh, when I was younger, I would turn on the faucet in my bathroom sink and <laughs> spend, you know, half an hour, an hour at a time trying to make the water move. Um, it never worked. And I've realized now in adulthood that the reason it never worked is because I'm not a waterbender. I think my truth <laughs> is that I'm a firebender. Yeah. And um, I feel good about that. I've come to terms with it. Um, I've embraced it. Joseph, like trying to make a candle move with, you know, <laughs> right. that might work. It, it could. It, I haven't tried it yet, but we'll see. Well, good. Uh, yeah. You feel, uh, you, do you feel good about being welcomed into the firebending community or, uh, you're kind of big. I do. Okay. No, I do. I think, uh, you know, firebenders often get a bad rap because of, I mean, our, our exposure <laughs> you know, to them in this show, the they are the bad guys. Um, yeah. I think firebenders are just passionate. They feel things intensely. And yeah, even though I am a Scorpio, which is a water sign, you know, Scorpios, we feel things Scorpio's very deeply water. and very intensely. That's they interesting because I feel sign. like... I feel like multiple Scorpios that I know I would classify as firebenders. My brother being one of them. But he also... I don't know. You can go back and listen to... Uh, what was it? The waterbending... Uh, it, he joined us for the episode before the season one finale. So if you're listening you and you're curious, you can go back and hear his answer because I don't remember specifically. But uh, he's someone I've always personally been like, oh, he's a firebender. But he's a Scorpio. And there are I... other examples, I'm sure, <laughs> in my life <laughs> that I can't remember right now. Yeah. 
This anyway. is great. This is all great for the podcast. <laughs> Let's be real here. This is another great segue to talking about firebenders and like their personality versus them getting a bad rap. Yeah. I mean, come on. You basically tied a bow around this episode here. We, uh, is it my turn to recap? Because uh, well, we got to introduce the show first, Gary. We got to get the little. <laughs> I always dun, dun, get. Uh, dun, I think dun, I've done that like three times, where I'm just like, I'm just gonna recap. Fuck your introduction. <laughs> That's a good segue, though. You are listening to Oh Joseph. You yeah. You are listening to A New Lens, <laughs> a podcast that my friend Calvin started with his friend Gary in order to uh, go over shows and movies that they watched when they were kids with the new lens of being adults and amateur filmmakers. It's pretty pretty close, yeah, yeah. Maybe that one or two nice. words switched out, but the good. Thank you, Joseph, for introducing. I like to bring show. my own flavor to it. Yeah, that that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, you got to be good to uh, know. Someone is listening. Uh, well, uh, now that you know the premise of the show, I can remind you that we've been talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender episode by episode, and we're on episode or uh, season three. Which you know what. Joseph, you said I shouldn't do it as we were talking beforehand, and I'm going to do it. I've been messing this up. I've been saying season every time I introduce the episode. It's book. It's book. We're on book three. What am I doing? I don't know. Thank you. Thank uh, you. It's, it's one of those things that makes Avatar like yeah. oh, cool. It's like, ooh, chapter. It's ch- chapter yeah, 12 something. of book three is what we're on. Ooh, it yeah. feels like we're like we found an old tome in the in the ancient library of Wang Shitong. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so we're on uh, book three, chapter 12. The Western Air Temple. And this is, I mean, <laughs> we got to stop saying this because it's really losing meaning. But this is really like a moment in the show you think about when you think about the show as a whole. You're like, oh, yeah, when Zuko has to. I mean, it's to the point where there are, it's memed, you know, like yeah. this is there's a moment in this show, which we'll get to pretty quickly. That's just like. You see it all the time when avatars are uh, referenced, and it's not just something that I think about when I think about the show, as I say so often. I think it's something everyone thinks about yeah, if they've seen right. the show. This is one of those episodes you look forward to when you start the show, having seen it before. Like you can't wait to get to this point. Now we're here, right? I understand uh, why Joseph said, would uh, choose this one to want to talk about because it's like oh, me too, the pivot of the show. So <laughs> good Absolutely. on you. Absolutely. Um, and it's also like the moment where you can finally see like the thumbnail on Netflix, any t-shirts, any lunchbox, any picture from the show, and it's not a spoiler now. Right. Because every <laughs> single piece of like promotional material for the show features Zuko in it as if as he's not like a fucking bad guy. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, the whole time you're watching the show, if you haven't seen it, you're like, I'm so confused. I thought this guy was like on the team or something based on that picture. What's going right. on? I saw this yeah. guy's t-shirt. He's got this nice blue t-shirt he got at. And he's got all <laughs> Gary's the wearing like, what's going on t-shirt there? right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing an Avatar t-shirt. Zuko's not so on that one, I'll... though. Doesn't look like he is. Is he? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, there he is. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's long he's... locks are covering up Zuko's. Uh, oh, yeah. It's kind Zuko's of a weird, face. weird colored t-shirt. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, why is Sokka so tan, but then has just like a pale forehead? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> what a good uh, bit for our, for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you can see the t-shirt, too. I'll just jump into the recap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this episode uh, is titled The Western Air Temple because that is where the gang is headed. They are on feet 
because Appa is getting tired, which kind of bothers him. But, like, I like that. You know, we're, we're, I like it when Appa gets a break. And all of a sudden, Toph goes, yo, we're here. And clearly this is a moment, a nice uh, little blind joke moment. I just think they they do these uh, blind... I'm sorry. I'm not recapping. <laughs> now I'm talking about the episode. We'll get so into it. Ta- we'll get into it. So Toph uh, is able to see uh, underneath them the Western Air Temple, which Aang confirms. And he flies down and we see that the Western Air Temple is built upside down. Uh, it's fucking phenomenal looking. And as they get there, Zuko gets there. He sees them fly in and he has this flashback, which we'll talk about with Iroh. And uh, basically the gang settles in and Zuko settles in in a little camp nearby where he starts rehearsing his little spiel he wants to give because we find out in this little rehearsal period he's trying to join the gang he wants to teach uh, the avatar firebending we knew that from the last episode but i mean shit's about to go down for real now he's <laughs> actually there so the gang is trying to talk over what they're going to do next and it's clearly making ang anxious so he spends most of this episode kind of just fucking around and at one point they all uh are fucking around and they get back from it and find that Zuko is waiting for them. And he gives them a little spiel, which we'll get into. That's like the meme moment that I was referencing. <laughs> yeah. And they tell him, no, like, we don't trust you. It's been too much shit. So he goes back to his little campsite. And Toph kind of felt like there was something going on there. She can feel his truthfulness. And she goes out in the middle of the night to talk to him. There's a moment where he accidentally burns her feet. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yo, now you're definitely no. No way. You're you're done. But then yep. Combustion Man shows up. And we'll talk about that amazing fight scene, which ends with Zuko helping them. And uh, they kind of work as a team. And it shows that it he proves himself. And Zuko, Aang yeah. uh, tells him, yeah, I want you to join our team. But I need to talk to the talk to the rest of the group. They let him. And that's kind of where the episode ends. We've got we got one last like moment that we'll talk about oh, when we sure. get to the details. But uh, yeah, that's. It's kind of a hard one for me to recap because there's so many like little details in this episode, but overall, that's it. I think. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I usually write down a little recap thing, sure. and I didn't this time. That's it's right. pretty clear. <laughs> Zuko's trying to give his pitch in like yeah. a matter of words. That's like that's the episode. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can catch all of our adventures on legendary4.com. <laughs> um, let's let's start this off. As as soon as we're done with the previously on Avatar, there's this this. Wait, deep real quick, Calvin. Cello before music. you yeah, talk man. about yeah, dude, the opening shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it's a great opening shot. It but is. I want to take a second. And I want to talk about. And I think I actually I interrupted you. You were about to say this. The opening score is yeah, so good. Is a, you were talking about the cello. I love the drums though at the very beginning. Oh, okay. They're like dum 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 boom boom. Oh yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> it sounded like you were doing the uh, the uh, the fox the twentieth century fox searchlight yeah or whatever. <clears throat> oh wait, yeah, maybe. Oh, I just said what it isn't anymore. That sucks. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Joseph, you're pointing out exactly what I wanted to bring up. Like, this music perfectly reminding us that, uh, hey, the moment we're just coming off of is fucked. <laughs> like, all of the adults that they know and this entire crew, basically, except for this small group of kids, 
are taken prisoner now and they're just sort of out on their own with no real plan of what to do and you see it on everyone's faces oh this first shot of just like you know a a a long angle making it look like they're all like pushed together but you know they're walking in sort of a spread out group you know what i'm talking about where you can see everybody in in the frame uh just head on and all of their faces are just downtrodden just so dejected and defeated um especially Aang's, and it just breaks my heart. Yeah, you also really get the sense that they've been walking for a very long time. I think they, yeah. there's, like, really great animation technique to add, like, the very slight, like, heat wave blur overlay. Yeah. And then on top of that. it, like, the use of, like, universal gesture, where, like, they all are, like, slumped over just slightly in the bodies. It's like, oh, they are tired, exactly. this has been a long time, and it's very hot here. Yeah, they, yeah. they portray uh, that so Momo clearly. fully, like being worn as a hat because he's just sprawled on Aang's bald head. <laughs> right, yeah. It's so great. And I love that they communicate both in the animation with, like, clearly sort of overlays, like, sort of, um, you know, after-the-fact uh, fog being overlaid here, but also in the actual animation, like, there's especially a shot where Katara's in the foreground and Sokka's in the background, and you can see that... They are animating the lines of his body slightly. There, there's wiggle to them, you know. To to imagine imply that like haze. the precision to make that look what it looks like, where we go, oh, it's really hot, right? Rather than it being like, why the fuck is he wiggly? <laughs> that must be so hard to just yeah. what is confidently this? do. What is this, Ed Ed and Eddie? Why is he so wiggly? <laughs> <laughs> this is not the animation style I am used to. Oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> man, that could be a show we do on this on this uh, podcast. Honestly, but, uh, yeah, I love the fact, Gary, like you brought up that Appa is. It, they're all walking because Appa's tired, and he didn't yeah, mention. It doesn't this, feel but like, like a think, vehicle. I like to think he's, he's a he's fucking also, character. He's it's part partially because of the armor, you know. That's like what I was gonna. Yeah. Yes. That's heavy-ass armor. There's no way. We saw him get blasted with, like, three fireballs, and he was fine. That shit is made out of metal. Yeah. That's not, like, leather armor, you know? Right. So, yeah. I, and he, I love he hasn't taken it off because what are you going to do with it? You know what I mean? Right. That's the only way to transport such large equipment. <laughs> this poor bastard. He's it. like, yeah. fuck. I got to wear this. So get off a suit me. of armor with a crew of kids on his back. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, like you said, in the recap, Toph getting to this giant chasm and saying, I can feel it. And they're all like, what? Toph. What is, uh, doesn't uh, Katara say, I think you need to get your feet checked. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, instead of your eyes checked. I just love that. One thing, I, <laughs> yeah. I watched this episode three times today in preparation, oh, just so nice. it was like very oh, familiar to nice. me. Uh, well, Calvin, I think you'll be a little mad at me because I okay. watched it the first time at regular speed as the directors intended uh however for the last two times i did watch it at 1.3 speed which okay which i mean i love it i yeah. get the information very quickly i recommend anybody just listen oh. listen and watch everything <laughs> no. you consume at a slightly higher speed it really makes your life much better what? uh anyway but before yeah, we move, the director and editor take, absolutely Joseph. did not uh <laughs> did not work you know they were they were not keeping that in mind when they were choosing what frame rate and uh what uh, uh anyway yeah <laughs> uh, 
Hot take. All right. Go watch The Irishman at 1.5 speed because it's too long. That is my Just suggestion. don't watch The Irishman because it's too long. Yeah, it's a bad – it's the worst movie. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, I, I know get, that's, I, I know that's a controversial – sh- a controversial take, but what I, the reason I brought it up is because mm-hmm. one thing I didn't notice until my second rewatch mm-hmm. um, was there's this really small moment that I found like weirdly poetic where uh, Sokka says, I miss not having blisters on my feet. And then the very next shot is a shot of Toph's feet hitting the ground and yeah. saying, we're here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I, I think I'm reading too much into that moment, but I found it beautiful. And uh, oh, honestly, I no, didn't skip I, I like it. that a lot. And I, I now that you're saying that is Silly as this is going to sound, Sokka's feet are like a thing. You know what I mean? Like, we've, whenever no, he relaxes, don't. he like kicks off his shoes and okay. he like wiggles his toes in the camera. Yeah. And like, okay. it makes me real. This moment that. and you saying that makes me realize Sokka's a little tiny bit pampered. You know what I mean? Like, he's the kind of guy who wouldn't have like calloused feet that can he's like got his like soft boots on and whenever he's like able to relax he likes to whip off his bare uh, feet and like i don't think he's pampered i think he's just like you know realistic and logical and is just like hey i'm gonna wear shoes (laughs) you know what i mean fair enough uh that's, Fair enough. that's my there have been a lot of hot takes in the past like 60 seconds oh man a couple feet takes this I'm is gonna not, you know, this is going to polarize the audience hey l- hit us up uh go yeah. ahead and dm the podcast at uh, at instagram at new lens pod and if you don't follow already why don't you go ahead and give oh us that a follow God. as well God at new lens pod and uh dm calvin and gary let them know uh your view on the hot takes you've heard today joseph you're hired you're, as our new uh d- director of social media and operations so that you can someone get quentin on this uh, episode we're talking about feet <laughs> okay moving on god damn it um the okay let and this is an exciting thing to move on to the design of the western air temple is so fucking cool come on i i consciously had to stop myself from writing down a bunch of stuff that i wanted to talk about because i'm like there's a whole episode here but i could literally like we could talk about just like the architecture and certain rooms that they go to and certain statues like i'm just the only thing i'll say is do you think this is purely aesthetic or can you imagine because i totally can imagine some airbenders using like their air ball upside down you know what i mean like going through this temple and like it it's not you see by the design of it that things are built right side up but the buildings that they're built in are upside down which is just so fucking it looks upside down like what like the 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 buildings that this architecture is taking inspiration from it it looks very much like you know some a, a lot of sort of i think mostly chinese influenced buildings and it looks like it's just upside down. But as soon as you get there, those like platforms, which would be like the roof the of roof. the structure, is the ground. It's yeah, it's brilliant in my opinion. Uh, it's so cool, and I like to imagine uh, non-airbenders finding this place and being like, "Yeah, I mean, fuck, I can't do that." And just keeping that's why it, you know, because right. most of the air temples have like a thing that makes them like impossible to get to. to, get to yeah. This one, you can get there. But, like, it's upside down, so what the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty hidden, though, too. I mean, if you didn't know yeah. this was there. Um, and also, like, could only be built by airbenders. Like, how would yep. you build that? <laughs> Without airbending, yeah. how would you build that? I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't know what I expected to come of that bit, but... uh 
So here we've got Zuko, who's actually the first one to arrive at the temple, and he's uh, sort of rappelling down. Not rappelling, but just sort of like rope sliding. Like what, Joseph? You've you've done some some circus work and some aerial work. I remember uh, you. In I have, you yeah. And uh, that what what he is doing would really hurt, but it would get. The I job know. Done. <laughs> I was thinking about that, right? Uh, yeah, because he's not wearing gloves. Yeah, well, yeah. He just has. A, oh, he has the rope. Like, you know what I'm realizing? He's a firebender. Friction means nothing to him. Ah! Right? <laughs> it, it's how he charges his energy. You heard it here first, folks. Zuko charges his energy yeah. via rug burns. Yes. <laughs> he just shuffles 100%. around. He just shuffles around. And gets, that's yeah. how you uh, bend lightning, too. Uh, you just shuffle around. You shuffle you your feet. You need the right kind of rug. Yeah. that's Azula just has, like, really, really... Uh, good shoes for it yeah, that's why know? i like all the really close-up shots of zuko you see that he is actually wearing like a bathrobe that like there's very fine detail <laughs> and that it's uh, uh wow i didn't notice that but yeah. joseph you were starting to indicate like the his forearms like in regards to this rope yeah well down. he has it like secured around so that like if his grip gives that like there is an ex- there's the extra layer of security uh right. that he's not just going to go tumbling that uh the rope will uh keep him uh yeah like yeah. it's cool because it looks like proper form as much as I can recognize from our like brief circus and aerial stuff from uh, the Guthrie program. But um, mm, yes, I do think about doing this with just fucking rope, and it would hurt a lot. But again, he's got you know some buffer between. But um, as he's uh, sliding down this rope and he gets to a, a platform and he swings over and jumps down and has his little superhero land moment and yes. stands up. He immediately gets a flashback in his memory and immediately it's apparent this is directly after his banishment. He's got the bandaging over his eye, his head cleanly shaven, and he's at the Western Air Temple with Iroh. Um, and immediately we find out this was only a week after the Agni Kai with, uh, Ozai. And, uh, we get this memory, like, very in line with what he was at the very beginning of the show. And it's a great, like, juxtaposing of where he is now and the person he's become that we've slowly watched of this just, I will not stop until I have the Avatar in chains, uh, we will search each air temple, and then if he's not at any of those, we will scour the world. Every little nook and cranny, we're going to search for the Avatar. And <laughs> Iroh's just like, uh, okay, I mean, maybe not. <laughs> and Z- Zuko, uh, he calls him the the laziest man in the Fire Nation. Just the look on Iroh's face. Like, it's not quite as, like, deeply disappointing as, like... Iroh's face when Zuko first tried to visit him in the prison because he hasn't had the investment. He he hasn't begun this like one-on-one journey with him to try and get him to see how he can be living differently. Um, but then reflected of that sort of face of like, oh, this is going to be tough is getting out of the flashback Zuko's face of just regret. You just see regret painted all over his face as he remembers what he was there's something about moments like that throughout this episode that that are the reason the episode works like he's not just trying to be the good guy he looks back at his cell at himself and is like fuck what the fuck was i doing you know what i mean like he's now not just 
like yeah i mean i was doing that to get the avatar i'm just not doing that anymore he was like he's now like why was i like that and there's actually uh i was looking at the trivia for the wiki on the Mm -hmm. wiki for this uh episode and there was what was considered a goof which i really want to point out because i think it is not a goof i think it is a choice and a great choice there was a goof on the wiki page that said zuko appears much older than he appeared in the Agni Kai, and yet Iroh says it's only a week later. And in my opinion, he doesn't. He's acting older because the Agni Kai fucking aged him. He went from being an innocent kid to now the only thing that can get him back to his... is that. It's not... I don't know. I just thought that was a very, very, like, oversighted uh, statement made by whoever wrote that as a goof because to me that is just brilliant animation he he has like a sterner look in his face like older zuko has he has the shaved head that like you were saying we're used to him and his voice feels more like older zuko voice than the zuko that was like wait i'm fighting my dad what yeah and i think it's a hundred percent subtle and really well done it's not supposed to be five years later it's a week later but he aged five years you know what i mean Sure. And the difference between his younger self in this memory and now is like... Pretty immense. Uh, Very noticeable. I think it's done extremely well. But yeah, uh, moving back to the gang, they uh, finally get down to a platform. They fly in on Appa and uh, the this sort of secondary gang... Um, uh, <laughs> they get rid of them the, so the quick. <laughs> <They really laughs> yeah. Well, that's another thing I actually read on the website is uh, Brian Konietzko specifically really wanted like a scene with this crew. Uh, yeah, I read that too. But it got cut, so it really does feel like <laughs> characters that don't matter. We're gonna go do something. <laughs> I know it, it, it feels 100. very like uh, it's like oh, these characters that we need to not be here, they're just gonna not be here, and this happens again <laughs> yeah. later, and it's yeah. the same thing. They're going to go <laughs> explore the temple again. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, from a storytelling, like, it does very much feel like that, but it's not completely unjustified. It feels like a thing a group of little kids would do. When you see this temple, too, that's the thing. Like, uh, this show, uh, whenever it has a little bit of a fault, if you can call it that, it can lean on one of the show's really, really high achievements, and it ends up balancing out. Like, yeah, yeah, that might be a slight writing, but it works because this temple is huge and awesome, and... They're not benders, so in any situation where we would want benders, I could see them hiding. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The show is solid enough for those little moments to just be brushed off. In my I opinion. love as they're running away. I think it's Haru that says, uh, Come on, Duke. And he's <laughs> he's like, I've told you again and again, it's the Duke. I love that. I just love that <laughs> that moment. Bringing us back to Pipsqueak being like, I'll miss you, the Duke. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, as Aang tries to join them and go off and, like, basically play in this uh, place, Katara stops him and she's like, no, we need to talk. And they have this sort of, you know, <laughs> I the first phrase that came to my mind was they have this sort of tribal council. And I've just been watching too much Survivor. God damn it. Um, they have this Come little sort of <laughs> meeting. uh And the big question is, what are we doing next? And Sokka says, I think our new plan is just the old plan. Aang masters the four elements and tries to take on the Fire Lord before the comet comes. Uh, And yeah, I mean, yes, but also 
where are you going to find a firebending teacher? That's the big uh, question here. <laughs> they say we could go and try and find Zhang Zhang, and Aang's like, yeah, like we're going to run into Zhang Zhang again. And then we get that love top tops. moment. <laughs> yep. Well, who's Zhang Zhang? Oh, wait, uh, you'll tell me if it's important. And it's just great because <laughs> it's up. like she's fully accepted her place in this group as, yeah, I showed up a season late, and you let me know whenever something happened. You know, like yeah. – You'll explain she, it to me. If they'll I let her know. It. Yeah, I do think yeah. uh, that sort of sets up like a good reminder that uh, Toph's relationship with Zuko is vastly different from the rest of the gang's relationship with Zuko. Oh, because Zuko wow. is like, yeah. Zuko's like not really the main villain in book two. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Azula. I don't even know. Is he even after them in book two? It's been a while, but like Zuko, it's all Zuko alone stuff. Yeah. So whenever he's after him, it feels less like. It did in season one and more like he's just trying to accomplish his own goal. And then when he finally does catch up with them, he helps them fight Azula. So like in Toph's eyes, she knows Iroh to be a pretty decent dude. She knows that he really loves Zuko and Zuko kind of helped in that minute. So I think of all people, Toph has a much better understanding of the complexity of Zuko because of her conversations with Iroh. Because of the only moments she's fought with him is with him, not against him. So I think that's actually a really, really good point. Uh, and she wasn't there that, in the Crystal Catacombs for the the for big the moment. moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think oh, we have for to, the yeah. I think we have to assume Sorry. that like uh, the gang has told Toph about Zuko, so she certainly, I think, knows. Oh, sure. Their point yeah. of view, but but you know exactly what you were saying, Gary and Calvin. She like she was not there for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love the transition. They're saying we're gonna need. Some how are we gonna find someone to teach him firebending? And we uh fade up to above this uh chasm where Zuko has set up camp. And I just wanna real quick point out how dope it is that he just like has a little camp set up. Like, you know, he can fend for yeah. himself. I don't know. Like we've seen that time and time I again. Also it's not love like that. the biggest uh example of this, but uh No, I was actually gonna say that too, because him sliding in on the rope. Him having a camp. Right. There's a few things he does in this episode and in past episodes. Him being proficient with the two swords. Dual Zuko's blades. really skilled. Yeah. He's just a really like... I don't know. Like, if I were in a apocalypse situation, I'd want Zuko around. <laughs> he's a... <laughs> and it's cool. Like, yeah. he's been defined as, like, the firebender bad guy. And throughout the last uh, season and a half, we've started to see that. That is absolutely, like, on the bottom of what he presents as a human being is his fire bending bad guyness you know right he's multi-talented he's got interests i mean yeah i don't know i i love that too it's very cool to see him camped up he's practicing this speech on like how he's gonna pitch himself <laughs> to the group and i gotta be honest this was a moment that always like didn't sit well with me when i've watched it in the past and i really liked it this time but for some reason i'm i keep It reminds me of (laughs) how am I going to introduce this? (laughs) Start three different sentences. Um, I when I was like eight or so, I would tell my parents that I hated children, and it was just because when we went out to a restaurant and a baby was crying at the table next to us, I'd be like, "Oh, shut up!" But like 
there was something in me that wanted to You're like, like eight. <laughs> Seriously. so funny to me. And there was something just imagining a tiny Calvin like fuck babies. <laughs> he's in like he's in he's out at a restaurant with his parents in like a high chair looking at the kids menu in a suit and tie. And he just turns around and goes, uh, excuse me, excuse me, would you shut the fuck up, please? I am trying to have dinner with my family. <laughs> But there, there was something in me that like wanted to be more mature, and I think it's part of why this show was appealing to me because there are so many mature things about it while still being very, you know, like kid friendly. But this was something that always seemed like kind of kid kitschy to me. Like Zuko, he's practicing the thing, and he's like, well, I don't know. And I still get why I had that sense from this scene, but I feel, I feel like it's so much more genuine and well done than I ever gave it credit for before me yeah i i totally get that point of view because it as an adult we now see him as a different person he needs to do this if he were old zuko but still if he were like the old zuko's personality with this version of zuko's goals he'd just charge in and be like i'm helping you now right and it's (laughs) cool to see him like be nervous yeah he's nervous it's like it reminds me a lot of the Tales of Ba Sing Se where he goes on a date. It's oh, yeah. showing Zuko's true colors as a person, not the prince or not sure. the bad guy. He's just a person. And this is just such a person moment. And I honestly think that's why it's memed so much. Hello, Zuko here. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like that is not <laughs> he's never said anything like that before. It's always yeah. just he shows up with a fire blast, but right. just, hello. Hello. Zuko here. <laughs> and Dante Basco in this episode gives some remarkable, like, he just does such remarkable work in such a subtle way, especially lines like that where you're like, yeah, he's a good guy now. I just, I believe it now because he said, yeah. hello, Zuko here. Like, I just believe it. <laughs> I believe he's good. It's also really, like, cool. I, I mean, I, I'm going to use camera ankle even though it's animation. That like, it's just... Like a mid shot flat on him. He is facing mm-hmm. the camera. It is like he is introducing himself to us, the audience, yeah. uh, which yeah. I think is also makes it like even more vulnerable. Um, and before we cut away to what he's actually talking to, can I take a guess before you tell us, Calvin, what animal he's talking to? Oh, I, I have it in my head, but I, I haven't confirmed it online. But please. oh, dang. OK, <laughs> my think? guess my guess is it's called a badger toad. That's my guess. That is exactly what I was thinking, and actually, I have this pulled up. So let me uh, let me double check. It I real think quick. the word "bull" is going to be in there because it's like a variation of a bullfrog, like bull badger. I don't know. That's worse sounding. Badger toad sounds good, so you guys probably got it. But I I just want to throw in my two cents with the word bull. Ah, okay. Online it says. Is it, it none of the above? It says badger frog. I think badger toad's <laughs> better. <laughs> I think Badger, Badger Toad, Toad sounds better. Well, Badger Toad sounds like Battle Toads, which is an amazing yeah. uh, video game franchise <laughs> from uh, way back in the day. Literally, all I know there about Battle Toads is that my friend told me that you can punk GameStop, like prank GameStop, by just calling them and saying, "Do you have Battle Toads?" and they'll get really mad. That is absolutely wild to me, and I want to spend the rest of this episode unpacking that. <laughs> Too uh, bad. Battle it's th- our podcast. <laughs> Battle uh, Toads, I don't actually know when like they came out. I, I feel like it is sort of okay, a knockoff listen, listen. Teenage Mutant Ninja he's, Turtles. He's talking That's, to That's all I want to say. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. He's talking to this badger frog. Um and this is the first time we're really getting like, yeah, this is gonna be really fucking difficult. Like, I mean, maybe that occurred to you, but seeing him like fulfilling his destiny and getting in this air balloon and following them 
that's the last thing from the last episode we saw. And we were like, yeah, he's going and he's like going to join them. And now we're like, this is not just going to be a smooth negotiation of like, oh, sweet. Yeah, come on in. It's like he has done a lot of harm to this group. I think there's also a really great moment when even when he's talking to himself, uh, where at the very end he gets angry and says, well, what's your answer? And we see that like Zuko is not a completely different person. Like, he is still uh, irritable, and there's a lot of rage inside of him. And even when he was trying to be nice, like, there is still that thing inside of him. Like, he is not totally 180. His point of view has changed. What he wants has changed. But he is still the same person. And and that comes up again throughout the episode as he's actually talking to the gang. Yeah, I love that. It reminds me of his first metamorphosis, as Iroh called it when he like slept and woke up and he kind of expected like oh maybe my scar's gone you know it's like you can't you can't just like erase your personality and start anew it it takes more than that and it's mentioned later that he's gone through something kind of like this multiple times and i think those moments show us that like this isn't just like He's good now, you know? (laughs) He's struggling to be good. He's This is something he wants, and uh, I really love that. I love the sort of mental practice that he does. I mean, he gets to it naturally in talking to himself of like, okay, what would Iroh say? But this whole, like, impersonating people he knows is just a distraction to, like, you know, it's just sort of, like, trying to get momentum in his brain and not have to... You know, Dante Vasco is fucking amazing out. too. I love that. Being a character impersonating characters yep. to me sounds hard as fuck and it's so good. And it's you also must... just a reminder of the duality going inside Zuko, which is like the whole, you know, theme of his arc is these two things warring with him. And mm. right now he is yet to find his own. Oh my god, yeah. He is yet to Holy find shit. his own yeah. he is yet the dragons. He is yet to find <laughs> his own voice. And so he has these two warring voices, which are the voice of Iroh and the voice of Azula, who, Azula more so representing, like, the Fire Nation. Yeah, um, right. But that, like, he can't speak for himself yet. He doesn't understand himself, so he has to turn to the two warring voices, the outside forces. Totally. Yeah, that's a really good point that I hadn't even considered in that moment. It's like, yeah. Yeah, like the, the angel devil on his shoulders. Exactly. Or the, the, the blue dragon, red dragon that we saw and that, at one point, like, all of that is real to him. It's not just for the audience. Like, he literally, those are the two people he thinks right. of when he thinks of good and bad. I love that. Well, uh, we, we get back to the gang who, uh, the the side gang is still doing their thing out of uh, the plot. Aang is flying <laughs> around and being chased by Sokka and Katara and Toph on Appa. And uh, it's just kind of funny that they're literally having to chase him and be like, hey, we have to talk about this. And he's like, what? I can't hear you because the wind in my ears. Check out this loop I can do. I, I find that to be uh, an irritating part in the episode, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I agree. Again, okay, another another controversial take. And if you disagree, get at, at New Lens Pod in the DMs <laughs> if you don't follow them already. I don't really love Aang as a character. I know he is our protagonist, but... He he is one of my le- one of the characters I like the least in the show. And this okay. moment, I don't think he's a bad character. I think if people identify him, that's totally fine. I'm not like I think he's well written. It's just like I don't identify with him. And sure. I think and I I didn't even when I was a kid. But I think in this moment we just see that like Aang is a kid, and mm-hmm. like when he is feeling nervous and anxious, his uh, his you know response is to run away. And the reason I think I find it irritating at this point is because we've seen him do that before. 
And I would just like him yeah. to respond differently at this point in his life. But, you know, I, I've i never written uh, a, an award-winning TV show. So I'm not yeah, here to say I mean, that, like, I no, know how to I do a protagonist arc. But I, I totally hear what you're saying. But also, uh, like, um, I've been thinking a lot about fatigue uh, recently, f- just for, you know, reasons uh, that <laughs> everyone knows. But um, Aang is gotta be feeling some fucking huge massive decision fatigue like he's been working up to this plan that is going to take down the fire lord for so long and it fucking didn't work at all like everyone got captured he basically failed again even though the there's people around him to help him you know recognize that that's not the way he should be feeling about it i i totally uh, get what you're saying joseph but it makes sense to me in the moment that he's like Jesus, can I just take, like, fucking a day to just, like, fuck around in an air temple? And I agree with that. I just wish he would communicate that to his best friends. Like, at this point, rather than ignoring them, being like, hey, guys, I need a day off. I know things are pressing. Like, whatever. And that's its own thing. Like, I I just think it's like every episode about Aang, it's like he's always struggling on his own. And it's only when he opens up emotionally to his friends that he ultimately feels better. At season three, Aang, have you not learned this lesson? (laughs) Yeah, fair, fair. Just communicate how you're feeling. It's like, I can't hear you. The wind is blowing. You're an airbender. You can fucking hear them. (laughs) Uh, But they all land on this platform and suddenly there's Zuko. And he says, I love how it's revealed. (laughs) Zuko here. I love the, they all are about to do something. And then Toph is like, that's going to have to wait. Oh, yeah, that's right. And she points behind her. I don't know. There's, even though it's happened a billion times, it's just always so satisfying for me when Toph is just like, I know about a thing that's behind (laughs) that thing. And it's behind me. Yeah. Just look over there. And then Appa moves and he's there. And Appa gives him a big old... Yeah. We get that big theme when Zuko comes in. Bah, bah, oh, bah. Yeah. It's like all ominous. And then, uh, hi, Zuko here. Hello. And then, bring this little, like, <laughs> yeah. the little jokey string For pluck. And then, break. end act one. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we fade back in from the commercial break right into this conversation. And again, very influential Appa licking him. And at first in my mind, I'm going, oh, he can like sense a change in this person. Animals have senses. But then I remembered like as they bring up, Zuko freed Appa from the, from Lake Laogai, from the, the, yeah, uh, the whole, I, all that shit under Lake Cloud Guy. I there's better words, but I don't have them at this second. Um, and, and Aang, re- Zuko, a- Aang yeah. recognizes that right away. Like even before he finds out why Appa trusts him, he sees right away that Appa trusts him. We get the shot of Aang's reaction. To- yeah. yeah, we get that nice close up. Clearly, like it sticks out to Aang in that moment. Yeah, and uh, Zuko's trying to explain. Like I I know you've. Uh, you, you all probably hate me, but I just I'm I'm here to say I've changed and 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 he's kind of fumbling over his words and I love he goes oh yeah and I can teach you firebending <laughs> it's like that's the main <laughs> thing you're here to say I don't want to uh, skip over one of my favorite lines there are so yeah. many good one liners in this show but yeah, uh, when Zuko says uh, you're probably surprised to see me and Sokka says not really you followed us all over the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is true yeah. This conversation for me feels as, from a writing standpoint, like, damn, that's bold. But also, like, 
that's necessary. Yeah. They go over all of the things that make Zuko a shitty dude up until this point, which in most mediums, you wouldn't do that. Because like, this guy's changed. We don't want to be reminded of this. He's redeemed now. We right. don't want to know that he was shitty. But they're, like, laying it out for us to know, like, he needs to be redeemed for this, for this, yeah. for this, for this. Not yet, man. It's just not. It's too fresh. And... I don't know. It's really bold to me for them to just be like, uh, yeah, no, he was a bad guy. He was shitty. And remember? And mm-hmm. we do. When they're when they're naming these things off, you don't feel like, oh, that doesn't sound as bad now that you're saying it in this context. You're like, yeah, that's not good. You attacked really our village at the Southern Water Tribe. You stole my necklace and used it to my track mother's us. My necklace. mother's necklace. And used oh, it to track that one. Down. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I, from a writing point of view, that would be something that, like, I, you, we've seen so many character redemptions. Like the bad guy is now good, mm-hmm. done poorly. This is how you do it right, in my opinion. It's, maybe it's a little easy because it's a kids show or whatever. I just think that putting it all on the table like this is important. Yeah, like you can't just forget all that shit. It grounds us in the journey we've been on, and I think I think that happens a lot, mm-hmm. especially in you know this last season in book three where they're like hey remember these things remember these characters like Mm. when you're watching it live like that happened over like three four years and so a lot of the things they're talking about are things from book one things from two three years ago when we were watching and it's like oh yeah like we have been on this journey with these people and they remember like whether or not we remember those episodes specifically all the time it's like you know I, I love this con- uh, conversation. Uh, I agree with you, Gary. I just think it's so great because Sokka is like, hey, remember when you did this? Katara's like, you did this, which really hurt. And even um, Zuko is like, Aang, remember you said you thought we might have been friends. Yeah. And the way that these things, these moments s- have stuck with our characters. Mm. It's not just like, oh, that was an episode and that's not the episode we're on anymore. So it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. In that moment you just mentioned is – like looking back even though i said it then i'm still now like that's one of my favorite moments on the entire show when ang is sitting in that tree and he's just like do you think if it was a different time we could have been friends yeah and then zuko fire blasts him like but you can tell that it's that something stuck with that him. really sticks with me and, here and the it fact is. that it sticks with him yeah. makes me like okay i I like Zuko a little more even than I did in the beginning of this episode just because he remembers that, you know? And I got to say, also, just in negotiating this conversation, I have so much respect for Zuko because he is really trying to be like, yes, I it, I was bad. <laughs> I did not realize I, I was bad. I thought I was good, but I'm trying to do good now, and I am trying to admit the wrong things I've done. Like, yes, I should not have done that. I have hurt you. You don't have reason to trust me, but I'm here to try and help. And like, ah, I just like the way he's trying to admit his wrong. And that's how it comes out that, and I should never have sent that guy (laughs) to kill you, (laughs) which is, I mean, he doesn't realize that they didn't realize that's why combustion man is following them is because Zuko hired him. But that really kind of makes them go, oh, that's you? Yeah, defo not. And then <laughs> like, the best especially... line in this episode that <laughs> yeah. has stuck with me 
forever. Like, this is the yeah. line. You guys always talk about, like, when you think of Avatar. This is the singular line when I think <laughs> no. of Avatar that I think of. And that is uh, Sokka's like, you're the reason Combustion Man's after us? Or you hired Combustion Man? And Zuko's like, well, that's not his name. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it is, it is just so funny and so just brushed away. Uh, but yeah. it's brilliant. This, Zuko just saying... Well, it's not his name, but... <laughs> right. But, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, and we never good. find out his real name. And yeah. uh, a- after we finish going through the episode, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on Combustion Man that we can do a debrief of. Okay. I like good. it. Good. I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, so this is when he loses their trust the most. This is when he brings up... You said we. you thought we could be friends. And Aang thinks about the, everything they've heard in this conversation. And he comes to the conclusion that... I'm sorry, after everything you've done, we just can't trust you. And, oh, Zuko's face when he hears that. It's just heartbreaking. And he gets pissed, doesn't he? He gets yeah, like, I, this like, is another moment where yeah, he, he where gets angry Zuko. in the face of defeat. Yeah. Like, that is, I'm trying to tell you I'm good now. Yeah, Zuko is still who he is at the core. Uh, you yeah. know, he, he has changed in many ways, but he is still who he is. And when he collects himself and decides to fucking kneel down... Fine. If I can't be accepted as your friend, I hope you will take me as your prisoner. Right. For some reason, that moment makes me like well up a little bit. Mm. Like this dude is like willing to be their prisoner. Like I don't know. He's like there's something about it that just fucks me me up inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like him face down, arms up, ready to be shackled, and then oh, Katara just like soaks him. him. Yeah. (laughs) It's not even like. A wind blast from Aang or, like, a rock to push him out of the way. She soaks that motherfucker. Like, yeah. he walks away soaked. It's just a whole other layer of, like, yeah. Uh. I, I think there's, <laughs> yeah, there's something especially humiliating. I don't know why about him walking away soaked. Because it's, like, if it was just an air yeah. blast or a rock blast, like, he would just walk away. But now it's, like, the water's on like, him. take the water back. He is still she wet left it as on he him. walks away. Like, I don't know. Right. Maybe it's another one of those brilliant, subtle, symbolic moments where it's like, oh, the water stays with him. It's like still <laughs> on him. The shame. Um, he needs firebending to dry off. It shows that firebending <laughs> is essential even when it's. Yeah. The way that Katara says also to like really conclude this is like, leave, don't come back. And if we ever see you again, well, we better not see you again. Which, which I, like, I want to put a pin damn. in there because. Yeah. I, I want to talk about that moment when we get to the end of the episode. Yep, for sure. Awesome. Um, so the the last thing we see in this scene is uh, Ang, angry mm-hmm. but conflicted. Like again, we've yes. talked about how incredibly clear they're able to communicate through such simple animation. Like Ang's face and in here expresses so much with so little. I did check out a clip from Korra. After knowing what they eventually will get mm. to, I I almost like the more basic animation because it's like there's some yeah. interpretation there and like I don't know. I feel the same. Um, anyway, we get a quick clip of Zuko just regretting how he handled that, and he's like, "Why would I tell them that I hired the assassin? I could have just told them Azula did that." But honestly, I think I don't know if we get a, a moment of him recognizing that he is still being true to like how he wants to be in life here but lying about that wouldn't have been more beneficial because they probably would have found out at some point and then the trust would have been gone it's best to just come up and be like i'm gonna be upfront about everything 
but obviously yeah, it didn't I've work right away. I've always felt that way too when he says that. I'm always like, I'm really glad you didn't do that. Yeah. Um, we get back to the gang and they're talking about how do we know this is not a trap? I think this is the most important scene in the episode for me because I think yeah. it really, this scene I think really highlights the theme of redemption. And I think, mm. you know, as far as like the narrative of the show, like we have the audience has ex- have accepted that Zuko is redeemed, but mm-hmm. it really like redemption is not a clean cut thing. It is incredibly messy. Yeah. And it's something that we have to ask, like, is even possible. And I think this scene does a really great job of like highlighting the conversations around redemption. Uh, redemption. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about like bad guy arcs and redemptions and stuff. And one mm. thing uh, they were discussing was that like, in a religious setting, redemption is very clear cut. There is a very mm. specific, straight, tangible way, and you are redeemed. But yeah. in a secular world, that redemption is much messier, and we need like, and it is not easy to define like what that even means, if it is possible, and how you get there. And I think this yeah. scene really shows how messy those conversations are. Yeah, absolutely. Especially uh, Katara is. I mean, very clearly throughout this episode, but more and more as the episode goes on, very clearly the one having the hardest time even trying to accept. And I think it's because, as is brought up in the beginning of this scene in particular, because of the moment that she shared with Zuko in the Crystal Catacombs, where they, uh, she brought up her mother and Zuko talked about his mother, and she thought she said she let her guard down, and she did feel sorry for him, but... He made his choice in the end. That day, moments after that conversation, he chose to side with Azula and try- and did kill Aang. He died. He fucking died. And, like, that's not... That's not something that you can just, like, forget super easy. Zuko made the decision to help kill Aang, and she had to bring him back to life with this spirit oasis water. Um, they don't I think mention there's that specifically because I think it would be a little too dark, but like, you know. It's good it's it's really important to remember though. There's something specifically like out of this world that in this show can happen that makes redemption possible, and it's tough being able to tell if this dude is lying or not. Yeah, totally. And in, in the real world, you can't be like, Hey, I'm sorry about that. Right. Here's a lie detector to prove that I'm actually sorry. But in this universe with Toph. I think that's necessary because of how they're talking about Zuko. But also it's like, it's really, really interesting to think about. Like someone can have done all those things and mean it when they did it and mean it when they apologize for it. And she's like, he, you know, he was telling the truth. So like as much as I'm like, yeah, at the same time, he does seem like he wants to be better. I, you know, and yeah. it's just, it's like a really special specific thing that only this show can do and to me it kind of shows you how in real life you, you can't always fix your fuck-ups yeah. right? I, you know and even on, you can't always be redeemed and even on top of that Toph says like you know he was telling the truth he seemed like he was being sincere but then the gang responds they're like you know we don't owe him our forgiveness it doesn't matter if he's sorry the fact yeah. is he did hurt us in these ways yep and then um uh, there's another, I think, a great line from Sokka as well. He's got some great lines in this episode where he he's does. like, oh, great. He didn't, yeah. uh, like, out of a, a lifetime of evil, he didn't add animal cruelty to the list when she's like, right. when Toph says he wasn't lying about setting Appa free. And yeah. Sokka's like, great. 
one good act does not make up for all of the horrible ways in which he has hurt us. Um, yeah. Toph does have a line where she's like, you all are just letting your hurt feelings get in the way. I'm like, Toph, yeah. you also yelled at Zuko when he was here. Like, you weren't quiet hey. that whole time. You also <laughs> got mad at him. Yeah, that's but then, true. But then, but then Toph, I think, brings in another good point of view is that we are at war. She says, right. there is something you guys are forgetting. Aang does not have a firebending teacher and we are running out of time. So whether yeah. or not we like this guy or trust this guy or forgive this guy, he might be our only choice. Right. And ends it by saying, I'm starting to wonder who's really blind, which I mean, like, you know, maybe a cheap joke, but like pretty poignant, like uh, especially she's saying we were just having this struggle of like, how the fuck are we going to teach Aang firebending? And here's a firebending yeah, like teacher anything right Anything on this show has felt like destiny. Come on. Yeah. You know? Don't uh, as we move on. Don't want to. Don't want to leave behind a very funny, very strange moment, which is the point of view shot from inside of Sokka's <laughs> yeah. mouth, yeah. which is so incredibly bizarre. It's disorienting, and that's yeah. not the first time we've had that. So yeah. you see, his uvula... someone on this animating crew really likes <laughs> the inside of Sokka's yeah. mouth. <laughs> you see Why his you teeth. Like the that? teeth, the uvula, <laughs> which they call throat hole flap. I, I, yep. <laughs> like, why? They don't have a word for uvula? Or are they just Well, not they do. Sokka doesn't kids? know the word for uvula. Yeah, fair. <laughs> it, yeah, thank you for making sure we uh, don't pass that moment by because uh, what a what a moment. Um, well, Toph, frustrated with the group, goes up to find Zuko. And here's Zuko asleep and in the middle of nowhere and... An enemy of the Fire Nation, you know, like he's got a lot to be nervous about. So it makes sense that when he hears somebody sneaking up on him as Toph is sneaking up on him in camp, he has the reaction to try and defend himself the best way and most effective way he knows how. He sends a fire blast out and Toph is able to bring a, a, a wall of rock in front of her, but the fire laps around it and uh, gets her feet and it burns the bottoms of her feet, which fucking ah sucks so much that's how she sees i mean like yeah uh but uh she is you know frightened and shocked by being hurt in this way and just wants to get out of the situation and she backs away and i love her just blindly uh flinging rocks at him to try and uh get away and it works like she throws enough that it just sets zuko back and Oh, he just falls back to his back and just shouts, why am I so bad at being good? End of act two. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. Commercial break. I I promise I do love this episode, and that's why I wanted to talk about this episode. Uh, And the reason I I am hard on this episode is because I love it. Um, (laughs) This this does begin uh, what I think is kind of a frustrating sequence in this episode. It does Mm. bother me that Toph is so quick to run away when she is the one sneaking up on Zuko and yeah. it, 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 I don't know. It strikes me as a little bit odd that she is brave enough to go meet him alone. But even when he is trying to explain that it was an accident, that she has turned so far against him, she hasn't turned against him, but she is so frightened in the moment that she yeah. just wants to escape. And I think that is, you know, uh, made larger by the fact that as you were saying, Calvin, like, she is essentially now without her senses. She has yeah. to crawl. I imagine she can, you know, see with her hands as well as her feet. But see, she is having to. But not as effectively. 
Yeah. So it's like she is now truly, uh, you know, without sense of what is going on without her more so than she is typically mm-hmm. throughout the show. Right. But I, I do think it's kind of a frustrating moment and I'll get into it more when we get into the next sequence, uh, which I think is kind of a weird moment. Hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say that uh, in this, in the moment, I'm like, makes sense. Like you might be thinking, oh shit, he is a bad guy. He just burned me. I can't see now. Is he going to burn me again? I need to get out of here. I need to fling rocks. Like, and then my justification for what's about to come up is that it took her the time from there to back, like getting back to the Western Air Temple to kind of like, okay, what actually Calm just happened? Really right. Think about it, you know, yeah. wait a second. Because when she does get back, as you're saying, it's kind of weird that she's just like, well, he kind of didn't. And he kind of did. It's like, if you knew that, why didn't you just wait for him? Right. Like, why didn't you let him explain himself? And I do think it it can be justified by, like, maybe he's, like, two miles away. And after, like, a mile and a half of crawling, she was like, shit, he might have. Right. Damn it. Well, I need to get back. I'm, like, a half a mile. Right. She went, she went into mile, flight or, you know? uh, fight or flight mode. Like, you know, yeah. when this happened, yeah. it was, like, this immediate response to just get out of there. Um, right. I just wish yeah. there, I agree though. I'm always a little frustrated because I just wish when she got back, she did it a better, a little better. Like Zuko didn't burn my feet. I stepped on his flames while he was defending. I don't know. There's pretty much no way she could explain it that would make Sokka not instantly go Big Brother mode and be like, we right. can't fuck this guy up. Although it is pretty, <laughs> still, pretty bold of Zuko to wake up and, like, throw a kill shot at someone. I mean, if this, like, if, if yeah, Toph didn't, yeah. like, throw Which that is, rock wall up. We like, talk about that later, like, too. Sheesh. I'm really glad. Yeah, I'm glad that that's not just, like over um, you know they're gonna talk about it again the reason thankfully. i'm frustrated by it is and this is not a frustration i have specifically with this show but in sort of storytelling in general I, miscommunication is like so often used as a device for drama and i think when it's used effectively it is used really really well but it's used so much and i feel like it's not always earned and this is a moment where i'm like i feel like this level of miscommunication in what sets off the next sequence of events is not mm. like is not necessary and then I'll, I'll, I guess I'll just jump ahead. When the group is talking about like, let's go after Zuko. I don't yeah. know why they even need to have that conversation because they don't go after Zuko. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it would make sense. It, it makes sense to me if the way the plot unfolds is that Zuko tries and then they reject him and then he doesn't go back. And so then right. they find him and then like the conversation can continue to move forward. But what we set up is that they're going to go find Zuko because he might never come back. But instead, they never actually go out to find Zuko. Zuko does come back. Yeah, interesting. From like a tightness of the script point of view, I absolutely get why that can be like frustrating as a writer, but also as a viewer. Because you're like, did they just waste five minutes of a conversation that could have been utilized in a different way? Well, and also, you know, Toph could have brought Zuko back and then they still could have run into Combustion Man as he's about to attack the group. Like, And the, the rest right, of the episode yeah. could have still unfolded in a very similar way. Yeah, it just becomes a tiny like, huh? Yeah, but if, oh, this okay. is Monday morning quarterbacking, of course. Uh, you know, the writers are amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. This sequence, yeah, I am a little yeah. bit like, ugh. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think everything you, you brought up makes sense, and uh, this could have unfolded slightly differently, and she didn't need to go all the way back, but uh, we have the episode we have, and uh, Combustion Man does uh, appear. Classic and... over-the-shoulder shot we get Ooh, as he is looking over them. So good. Quick cut yeah, to I his face it. to remind us of how scary he looks. Yeah. We go into his point of view, slight shaky cam yep. as he's watching okay. the group from afar. 
do you think he has some sort of like super sight because he's got the eye thing and this shot is like you know you've got the sort of circular uh how sort of periscopy like, sort of an iris yeah, yeah like it's yeah. kind of bl- it's very slightly blurred around the edges of the iris Right, yeah. with almost like spikes of the blur going in to indicate like a like a stretching of sight. You know what mm-hmm. I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like I, I liked all. I've always thought of this moment as his sniper scope in right. his forehead <laughs> yeah. because he he doesn't just like blow shit up. If he you notice, the thing that blows up is a specific. Yeah, like yeah. if something is twenty feet away versus fifty feet away. He's not sending a missile. He sends like a point and then that point explodes. Right. Yes, I think he does have in a similar way to Toff's super sight. Interesting. It's yeah. a super sight developed over time because of his uh connection with his which is like that would be considered like his third eye yeah. or his the yeah. chakra of uh the mind chakra, I think. Something. Either way. It's just depicted in the way like a telescope because that's the best way they can explain it. Like sure. it's kind of like he's got a sniper rifle, but maybe he's all it's all in his head. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. it's not a visual thing. It's just like, oh, I see it. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, uh, luckily Zuko swoops in, but uh, unluckily does not have a whole lot of headway in trying to convince him or sway uh, Combustion Man. He runs into him which actually is the reason the gang is still alive because this first one they're not suspecting it at all and Zuko comes in and knocks him just enough so that it's it, the the explosion that combustion man causes is uh, away from the group and Zuko's trying to demand him to order him to stop and he's like I you won't get paid if you don't stop and combustion man's just like shoving him away with one hand like easily he's super determined on his fucking goal and he's pushing it's not about Zuko aside and he's like you're not gonna get paid if you do this you know what i will pay you double just to not do it uh and eventually combustion man just turns to him and blasts zuko off the side of this platform and we have you know classic suspense looking over the ledge can't see anything shift a little bit there he is holding on by a vine um so zuko is hanging on by a vine why do you guys think that combustion man is doing this i love it he's just like a I just love it. Off it, the handle, like crazy dude who just wants to he's finish the always, job. Yes, I mean he's always looking for an excuse to be able to kill someone, and now he's got the excuse to kill the fucking Avatar. Sure. And Zuko is trying to get him to stop, and he's like, "To me, it's two things. One, this is a guy who his payment isn't gold. His payment is the kill. Damn. And two, it's the Avatar." Yeah. I bet the Fire Lord has sent another word out to Combustion Man, like, yo, I, I heard you <laughs> really were kill him, looking please. for the Avatar. Yeah, actually kill him. I think yeah. also yeah. in uh, uh, the deep dive into Combustion Man's backstory that I did in preparation <laughs> for this episode, uh, I like it. He, he is also the best at what he does. And mm. so I think it is a matter of pride that, sure. you know, wow, yeah. his, his quarries never escape. Right. And so... It's not, a, just like Gary was saying, it's not about the money, but it is about the kill. Maybe it's about his reputation. Uh, it's about his wow. own pride. No one has ever beaten him, including in the uh, various Agni Kais he did uh, in order to oh. get to the level. Oh, there is there is rich lore. Actually, it's not, it's pretty sparse, really? but there is more okay. lore about Combustion Man. 
Uh, let's just do it now while we're talking about Combustion Man. As he yeah, man. Okay. I want it. Yeah, I want so it. So this is all from the Avatar wiki. Uh, so I didn't really mm-hmm. do that big of a deep dive. I did a quick internet search, and this was the first page <laughs> yeah. that popped up. But okay. most of the backstory we have about Combustion Man comes from things that are not really available anymore. Um, hmm. So in his early life, uh, this is just directly from the wiki page, the Fire Nation assassin discovered his ability when he was a young child, but initially was unable to control it and accidentally blew off his own right arm and leg, which is why, uh. which he then replaced with a trademark metal pr- prosthetic limbs. And that uh, that bit of information is from uh, Nick.com, their like character page on Avatar The Last Airbender, which is no oh, wow. longer active. So it's not on the Damn. internet anymore. Yeah. Um, but that was the only place where that backstory went on and then it says that he uh he went on to acquire status and infamy in a series of quickly won agni kai which is from uh uh who is it uh which is from the commentary uh like the dvd commentary of the beach oh okay oh yeah that's where he was introduced yeah where he was first uh yeah where he goes after uh the gang and so and then there's not really anything else about his backstory that he appears in the episodes. The only other thing that is not the main TV show that he appears in is uh, in one graphic novel that is not even set before or after the events. It's like an additional thing. Um, mm. And it's just another time where he was trying – where he goes after the gang uh, and fails. Um, and so that, there's not nothing much more to be like learned about him in that. Sure. But then he uh, he is referenced again later in Legend of Korra uh, a couple of times. Uh, oh, yeah. Once in a flashback where Sokka talks about uh, how, you know, there's more than just the four elements of bending. Like there are special benders and right. one is Combustion Man that he brings up. And then later on in uh, Korra, uh, there is another villain who has a similar uh, ability as Combustion Man. Yeah, totally. Uh, oh, but, there, wow. but there's nothing else about him. That is all that there is about him that is out there. That's so and I don't know I don't if know. that feels like I am of two minds on this because on one I'm like mm-hmm. maybe that's brilliant because now I want to consume more content about Combustion Man. But on sure. the other hand, I'm like, just give it to me. Come on, <laughs> give it to me. I want to know. I want to know about this guy. It would be so like out of out of left field if they like went into any more backstory than that. Like, I, I feel like for this show, he serves his exact purpose. I also yeah. feel what, what you're saying though. Like I'd love to know, you know what more, it would be, but uh, what, and we've mentioned this uh, more than once. So it, I I'm mentioning it again. It would be the feeling you got when you watched better call Saul episode one. and oh. saw Tuko Salamanca. <laughs> you're yeah. like, I did want to know more about this guy, but but now I'm like, do I want to know more about this guy? I think a big part of his mystique uh, and what makes him different than some of the other, um, like, uh, the the woman who has the, like, uh, paralyzing The sheer shoe? Yeah. Yeah. I think what makes Combustion Man different is that he, he does not speak. Um, although right, he yeah. is, uh, he is voiced the noises he makes by Greg Baldwin. Uh, oh really? <laughs> yeah. The guy, oh, interesting. The, the guy who replaced uh, Iroh. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that is because we have to project so much onto him because he never mm. he right, never tells sure. us anything. He never speaks. Yeah. Thank you for uh, all that context. Sort of getting back I- into some <laughs> details. No, seriously, like it's all really, really cool stuff. And there's that no not awkward know. way to segue back. Um, uh, great. Thank you for that. Anyway, back to the plot of the <laughs> no, episode not, we're talking about. I'm always worried that that's how I'm going to sound, but I'm not. I'm not trying to do that. We're gonna. I'm gonna go back and listen to this episode whenever it's out, and like I won't even be a guest on the episode. <laughs> it's like it's all been cut out. <laughs> 
Um, I just want to point out that we praise the music in this show so fucking much, but something about the like 90s Casio keyboard, like Yamaha keyboard strings or like trumpet sounds that play during some of this don't sound good and don't hold up over time. I just got it like, again, Joseph, during the fight, being critical of this episode with love. Uh, like, yeah, during the fight. And it's specifically, I noticed it when Zuko is blasted off and there's kind of like a, like it's, it does not sound good. It sounds like a I'm glad you Yamaha said that keyboard string. because there is one sound that happens in this episode and it might've happened a ton of times throughout the show. But because of my now obsession with Survivor, yeah. and I've been getting into other reality shows because of that, yeah. and I, I texted you this, I just texted you, uh, Penny Across Symbol Sound, oh, yeah. because that's yeah. like the sound yep. in like reality TV. It happens like two times in this episode, and yep. it made me laugh. Right. And it, I don't know. Like It holds yeah. up. That sound does hold up. But when you're watching a lot of reality TV yeah. and then you hear it in a serious moment, <laughs> it's just it makes funny. it like a reality TV moment. So uh, Combustion Man tries to get closer to everybody. He he has another sort of near miss hitting them where Aang dodges very uh, – he's, he's an adept uh, – he, he gets out of the way. Uh, Combustion Man <laughs> is uh, – he tries to jump closer to them and he tries to grab onto a ledge and basically just like crumbles it with his massive uh, metal arm. And then Katara so cool. comes in clutch with this giant wave that she splits into two parts and has come from – and turn into icicles and comes at Combustion Man from two – uh, different angles and uh, it slows him down but it doesn't really stop combustion man and so they're all sort of hiding behind this this column i'm sure it was the uh lead martial artist who decide you know who yeah. decides all the fight scenes the um him putting up his arm and his leg to block the ice crystals the yeah. way he like shakes he just like throws his arm like just to like get the ice off of him. Totally, it it's so cool. It's a li- it's one just of those little so details. Cool. Yeah, because that's something no one can stop Katara's ice fucking daggers, mm-hmm. unless you got a giant metal arm and leg. You yeah, know what I mean? Right, like, right. This dude is seriously ready for anything. Yeah, and then it is so satisfying. Sokka coming in with the fucking to to end to end it all. Um, Sokka realizes we can't get an angle on him. Yeah. I think I can pulls out his boomerang. We finally get like a really dope boomerang moment. And I love yeah, the sequence of him, him pointing with the boomerang, looking at the seeing the trail of the uh, the explosion coming out, just measuring it with his mind. I just love that they have that. He doesn't just like throw it, you know, he. Yeah. Measures and they don't show out. us an animated like, do, 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 right. you know, some kind of right. like math thing. It's just yeah. in his head. But right. I'm imagining that happening. Yeah, you know, totally. He flings this boomerang out. It nails Combustion Man right in the head. Like, he, he fucking nails it. Sokka kills it here. He not only has a perfect idea, but he executes it perfectly. And it comes back, but uh, they see him starting to get back up. And they're like, ah, shit. Okay, it didn't work. It wasn't enough. And they yeah. go back. Yay, but, boomerang. Uh, he yeah. gets up. Oh, boomerang. boomerang. <laughs> I just imagine, um, uh, what is the name of the voice actor who plays Sokka? Do you know off the top of your head? Jack Decina. 
Jack. I just yeah. imagine him in the booth, like with these two lines, just like, all right, the first, <laughs> how many takes do you think he did of each of these? Uh, I'm sure he's brilliant and he probably nailed it in yeah. one or two, but I just imagine it's like enthusiastic, this kind right. of enthusiastic, enthusiastic, ah, yeah. boomerang, ah, yeah. boomerang, ah, boomerang. Uh, boomerang. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I, I feel like you he had to actors, do like so you know that better than anyone that sometimes it yeah. takes five takes to get the most yeah. subtle nah dude I bet he was in there for like fucking 20 takes of each just, of these lines just just a little yeah. just a little faster same energy but just a little faster uh, in in some circles of voice acting they call it uh, they call it ABCing which is like you just do the one thing in like three different ways like in succession oh, wow. quickly and I feel like he just had to like ABC that shit just like so yeah. many times yeah um, but what they didn't realize it is that this blocked off combustion man's like third eye chakra and fucks him up and blocks it enough that when he tries to blow it up, he blows himself up. And this is combustion man brings his own end. And I like that, you know, when, when we saw him in that town, when they were, uh, captured, uh, in the town, they were pulling grifts, um, Toph fires a little rock off and hits him in in the head and it's just enough to sort of make it not quite work right and he has sort of an explosion around him but this is different in that this metal boomerang has nailed him directly in the head and blocked it off so hard that I don't know. It feels earned that that's different. You know what I mean? I do yeah. want to bring also it like in in not a children's show would have just gone straight through his skull. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but this is still satisfying. And also, like, we see his metal arm, like, fly out towards yes. the camera, which is so there is dope. Something... But it's also, like, he blew up. Like, <laughs> Yeah. There's no something so he good about that. Because, like, as a kid, I thought, is this another moment where he we think he's done, but he's going to come back? And then they show us the metal arm right. and the glint. There's yep. something about the way it, ding, like, he's it glints done. in the light. As a little kid, I thought, oh, he's ble- he blew up. But it's not like, holy shit, his arms and legs are flying. You right, know, it's right, it's yeah. just a simple, they just show you that thing. Because, like, there is no other way that that would be free-falling right. unless he's yeah. just disintegrated. Yeah. Well, it's, yep. it's brilliant visual vocabulary. Because it, like, yeah. exactly what you were saying. Like, the metal arm indicates, like... This character's dead without, a you know, a, a show uh, with a demographic There's of no children blood. that, like... You can't really kill people on a children's show. You just have to like yeah. imply it. Indicated, and what's great about yeah. it is that it's like it not it implies that he's dead, but because it's a children's show and you can't really ever confirm anybody's dead, I mean, look, he might come back. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Like he Honestly. it leaves it open because it's like they they get to use that to say, well, this indicates it's not a problem anymore, that he's not gonna mm-hmm. be a problem anymore. But right. he's not confirmed <laughs> yet, so he could come yeah. back. <laughs> Yeah, like we might bring him back in fifty years as like the old assassin without an arm, or now. maybe he just man. lost his arm. In the, in the new shows, the new movies, whatever he comes back, we learn a little bit more about his backstory. We know who Combustion Man is. <laughs> I think I like know what you really name. want. Uh, what you want out of it? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I love as soon as this last explosion happens, we uh, get reminded that the rest of the group is here, and the Duke and Naru, they all pop. It up. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> like out from yep, a the room episode's rounding him. up, guys. You can come back. Yep. <laughs> uh, Zuko uh, pulls himself up. He gets over to the group, and uh, they say thanks, basically. And 
I love Zuko has this second chance. He's like, okay, listen, I know I didn't explain myself well last time. I have been through a lot in the past weeks and months. And I thought I lost my honor. I thought uh, I needed to bring you into the Fire Lord to get it back. And then I thought I could earn it by joining you. But uh, I've learned that basically... Your honor is something that you earn by choosing what's right. And then the first thing he does once he feels he has properly explained himself is he takes accountability and he apologizes to Toph. He says, Toph, I'm sorry I hurt you. Fire can be... I think he used the word wild yeah. in this moment. Yeah, he's just like, be fire can be hard to control. And like if yeah. you're not careful, it can hurt people, which is yes. almost a direct mirror of what uh, Zhang Zhang tells Aang. Uh, right. Uh, in book one uh, when he yep. trains with him. And I think that's such a brilliant moment because, again, we cut to a reaction of Aang as he realizes this. Yes. Um, and that's what makes Aang realize that Zuko will be a good firebending teacher to him. And what I think is so great about this, uh, about this writing, what's so nice and tight about this is that I remember that even more because they brought up Zhang Zhang earlier in the episode. So, right. he, is yeah, in, yeah. so he is in my mind. And then yep. I, I don't think they... Ne- I think in, like, again, if the show was meant for an older audience, they wouldn't need what follows up, where Aang mm-hmm. is like, Zhang Zhang told me the same thing, uh, you know? Right. Uh, because it's, it's heavily implied, but I, I think it's it's well done that that is put in there, because, again, this is a show yeah. meant for a younger audience. Like, it's nice to just be like, this is what we're talking about. Like, to be clear, right. this is what's being referenced. Well, he didn't even, like, say, he, he didn't even reference what Zhang Zhang tried to teach him. He referenced that the last time I tried to learn firebending, which, again, is well, as you're saying, well put in our brains from the earlier mention of Zhang Zhang. He's saying the last time I tried to learn firebending, I burned Katara, and I said I would never try and firebend again. But now I see I have a master here, and you understand what it is like to hurt someone you love, and how careful you need to be because of that. And so he says, I'm willing, like, I'm down. <laughs> and I love they have this this Fire Nation uh, bow, the fist with the hand above it. Um, and they bow to each other. And I love that Aang says, now listen, I, I, I'm okay with it, but I need to check with my group because we are a team. I love it. He turns to Toph. I love Toph's like, yeah, that just means I'll have more chance to get back at him for uh, for hurting my feet. Which I checked in the trivia and someone was, or I think in the comments, someone was complaining about how uh, Toph does not. She never does. She does not get back <laughs> in, in any way for this. Toph's uh, all talk. Okay, can we take a second and just talk about how Toph oh, is all talk? You, sir, have had enough bad takes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You've had a lot of really good takes as well. But uh, uh, anyway, Sokka also says, listen, I am just here to try and defeat the Fire Lord. Whatever helps us do that, I'm in for it. And Katara clearly is very against it, but she doesn't want to be the only one standing out, and she wants to support Aang, who clearly thinks it's right, and she says, if you think this is the right thing, I'll go along. And so, just like that, Zuko has been welcomed in. He, he says, I won't let you down, and they all, without saying anything, just walk away from him. And I love that even after that, he has this moment of satisfaction where it's like, okay, this has all been shitty. This is That moment was shitty. This is going to be really hard, but I have made progress. I've made my way here. I have gotten their acceptance enough to be here with him to teach him firebending. Um, and I love his ability to appreciate that in that moment. 
Sokka leads him to a room that Zuko's going to be staying in. He says, home sweet home. Uh, yeah, you can set up here. Uh, lunch soon. Uh, and he <laughs> walks back out in the hallway, uh, meets up with Aang, and he's like, this is really, really weird. And it's like, yeah, that that uh, I love the, the little moment right before, mm-hmm. between Zuko and Aang, where Sokka just goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, yeah. Yeah. That was good. (laughs) Just so funny. Um, Then we get Zuko alone in this room. Zuko alone. We get Zuko alone in this room, and uh, he pulls out a portrait of Iroh that he's carrying with him. And he has a memory. That makes me need to say. Yeah, what's up? uh, Aang's comment about Zuko understanding what it's like to hurt someone he loves is not just about burning Toph. He doesn't even know how true that is. Yeah, his... uh, obsession with uh defining the avatar caused so much pain to his uncle mm-hmm. that that is probably the most poignant of uh feelings he's getting in that in that conversation sorry yeah. just you saying that no, portrait absolutely. made me think of that and i'm like oh my god like absolutely he hurt the one he loves and that's iroh more than anyone because of his views of like what firebending is supposed to be he yeah. used it for wrong and that that hurt iroh more than anything yeah. betraying him you know uh, anyway, uh, so this moment is where I think it's particularly well pronounced and well animated with so little the difference between their age. She goes back and uh, Iroh is trying to talk to him and saying, listen, destiny is a funny thing. Uh, what you expect to happen does not always happen. But as long as you go along with an open mind and an open heart, things will work out. And just if only he had heard that sooner. But he wasn't. In, he, he Zuko wasn't in the right circumstance, the right frame of mind to be able to fully yeah. hear that. Um, and he just recognizes that. And you just the what I'm talking about specifically is the fading back between like it shows his younger face and directly fades to his older face. And it's like, yeah, that's a 13 year old kid and a 16 year old kid. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so this final moment, Zuko is standing here. And there's Katara in the door. She says, listen, you might have everyone else buying your transformation. Just her pose here, too. Like, leaning against the door frame. We've never seen Katara, like, looking like she's about to be like, yeah, fuck you. You know what I mean? And and she's like, obscured by shadow. The use of light in this uh, scene is also really great. It's a whole lot of Katara we don't see, you know. But yeah, she she gives this last like, listen, you have one slip up and you won't have to worry about your destiny because I will make sure that your destiny ends there. Uh, she has this intimidation at the front. Permanently. Yeah, permanently. that's right. Yeah. She's i uh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, this is the most, this is their closest they can get. To saying I'm gonna kill you on a kid's show, and then it ends the final beat with the sound and the vi- and the uh, the sound and the visual of the door boom, slamming shut, which is so brilliant. I wanted to put a right. pin in this moment uh, because it is a direct reflection, I think, of the earlier moment where it's this thing where, like, when Katara is in front of everybody, she has a hard time articulating like all of her anger and i don't know if like that is like if that is necessarily that she's like concealing it from the group or if it's like in public she has a hard time expressing it cuz she says she says if you come back here again well and then like hesitate she's like just don't come back here again like she cannot right. follow that yeah. thought through to the end but now right. when she's alone in the shadows with zuko again she's able to really express that darkness inside of her yeah. which is that 
I will kill you. I like right. I didn't say it earlier. I told you just to leave, but now I'm letting you know straight up that it is within my power and ability yeah. and will to end your life for all of the things you have done. And I think Oof. that is part of what makes it's a amazing moment for Katara. And I think that is part of what, especially in this episode, makes Zuko such a fascinating character. He has his mm. own really brilliant arc, but because he is a foil to all the rest of the characters, he yeah. allows them, like it allows us to explore the greater depths of these characters. Like we see that Aang and Zuko are so much the same. They are both chosen ones who have gone down right. these very different paths and they both know what it is to hurt somebody. And because we see that in Zuko, it it lifts up when Aang recognizes it in himself. And then also right. with with Katara, we see that Katara, who is always very caring, very nurturing, um, she is a like lighter character, a more optimistic character. Uh, and we see this, you know, spoiler alert, like in later episodes uh, as Zuko continues to bring out different parts of the group. But it, almost in a weird way, Zuko gives permission for Katara to explore these darker, angrier uh, parts of herself. Yeah. Because she has never yeah. been able to direct her rage at somebody as directly yeah. as she is at Zuko. Yeah. She's around a group of people that she's, like you said, it might literally be a little bit like can I be like that in front of these guys? Like if I, if I say the, the, you know, that I'm going to kill him, are they going to be like, Oh fuck Katara? Like what the <laughs> fuck? You know, but Zuko still being Zuko, as we've said, he's not just like good guy. Now he still has that like innate, like darkness in him. I, I really like that. I think that she's not just more comfortable because she's telling him what she feels. She's com more comfortable around him to speak that way. Like, this is a guy that can handle this. You know what I mean? He's also been, like, the embodiment of this force that killed her mother, which is clearly the mm -hmm. most traumatic thing in her entire life. Like, Yeah, and uh, if you want to learn more about Katara and Zuko's relationship, well, then I guess you'll have to tune in in just a couple weeks uh, to the next episode when we uh, explore even further... Uh, and so if you're not already subscribed to New Lens Podcast, why don't you go ahead and do that? Go ahead you're and hit that subscribe button. You're not running this podcast, so that... all right? All right, okay. You, 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 are, you also skipped something, all right? We got to do a kid oh, moment sorry, of the week. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Kid moment of the week. Kid moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you got? I have a, I have a few. Uh, I think uh, the Duke is a funny moment. Me too. <laughs> um, the Me too. reveal of the badger frog, I think, is funny-ish. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. it's a contender. Uh, the impersonations in, in a similar way, I think, are a sort of silly moment that are fun. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the throat flap is, of course, so bizarre and so yes, surreal. So that weird. That yeah. is such a kid moment It doesn't moment even feel, when I remember that moment, I'm like, what episode was that from? It's this. Yeah. Uh, my, that is probably my strongest contender. However, mm. if we are tired of giving kid moments to Sokka, then the next one I have that I think is the next best contender is, uh, when the side characters all like slide in with a little doink, doink, doink. Yeah. Yeah. I think is, is very that's funny great. as well. I'm going to be honest. I think that's it for me. <laughs> that's the one that I wrote. <laughs> I, I wrote down a few of them and, uh, oh, actually there's one other that I want to bring up, which is just when, uh, at the beginning of the episode, uh, Toph is like, I feel it. It's right here. And it's just a small little thing, but Sokka just looks at Aang and just kind of like, eh. like he just gives like a shrug. <laughs> oh, there's one like more I forgot about. I I don't think this is the right kid moment of the week because it is not at the mm. forefront. But when mm. Zuko first arrives and is talking to the gang, um, in the background, 
Appa does the funniest, like, lick of his lips. His tongue goes full around his mouth as he licks all of his lips. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And it's I love that so stuff. good. I wrote down side characters. Yeah. <laughs> because to me, their use in this episode as a whole is funny. Yeah. And that's not as kid momenty because that's more like, as an adult, I can recognize, like, sure. the fact that they're just, like, thrown to the side. So I think I can round it back to that moment where they all, doink, doink, doink. doink. Those three get the kid moment for this week. Congratulations. So freaking happy for them. Uh, If you're listening now, you probably like podcasts. And before we pitch ours, I want Joseph to remind me the name of the podcast that you've been writing for. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you know what? I'm actually not going to, uh, it, okay, I, never mind. I, I, I freelance write for a, uh, a podcast that is owned by a big company. They have enough money. They don't need my, uh, <laughs> they don't need <laughs> okay. my support. Um, but okay. what I would like to pitch real quick is that, uh, the comic book I've written with my brother, chapter one is on sale in print now. Chapter two, uh, chapter one and chapter two are available online. Chapter three is on the way. So you can check, uh, everything we do at, at bit.ly slash planet pie. That's pies in the food bit.ly slash P. P-L-A-N-E-T-P-I-E. Oh, please go check Ooh. it out. I just got my... I my, haven't checked my, that out yet. My fresh and I've chapter been one to. Uh, print copy, and I'm so stoked. If you're looking for uh, other things to listen to, we, uh, Gary and I do have a uh, an actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast with our friends uh, Dustin and Sam, and that's called Legendary 4 Adventures. Space, Space Vampires! Vampires. Thank you, Gary and Joseph. Uh, You can check all of that out, all those episodes, all these episodes on legendary4.com. There's comment sections. You can also reach out to us at social media. Yeah, social media. Hey, that's going to be an A with a circle around it, as in the at symbol at New Lens Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Please reach out to us. Uh, Thanks again to Safina Sago for our uh, podcast art. Check out the links for how you can help out the Black Lives Matter movement in the description that featured link i always try and switch it up so i think that's gonna be it uh joseph thanks again for hopping on the podcast man this was a thank you so much for having me letting me introduce uh such a chaotic energy into this uh into this lens i also i just really felt like the uh the straight white male lens was uh really lacking on the show so i'm happy i was able to to bring that into here to get uh you know just another white dude talking about film and television um and i just want to say as a fan of this podcast if this is the first episode you're listening to uh that's pretty wild to have picked this one (laughs) um but go ahead and go back and listen to everything they've done uh gary and calvin do such an amazing job at podcasting and if you are downloading and listening that helps them but also what would be amazing is if you could share episodes on social media the best thing to do with uh podcasts that are starting out especially brilliant ones like these is to help spread the word i uh i should be vouching that message more and thank you for reminding me and saying it so eloquently and well and uh being so complimentary thank you very much joseph i appreciate you being of course being of a course. listener and uh, a wonderful guest and uh we all appreciate you who do listen uh thanks for listening i'm calvin i'm gary I'm Joseph. You can go ahead and say it. Say, uh... Oh, oh. And this has been a new lens. <laughs> this is... Oh, okay. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> do you ever do... Wait, you have after episodes sometimes, yes, right? 100%. Like, th- this is the after episode yes, right here, is. and it ends <laughs> yeah. now.